You are listening to an Eyes on Washington podcast brought to you by Holland and Knight's Public Policy and Regulation Group. Our Public Policy and Regulation Group is a strong bipartisan team with deep ties throughout Washington, D.C. We have built a thriving government affairs practice through our depth of experience and diversity and by maintaining our bipartisan approach. Our State Attorneys General podcast series is hosted by former Deputy Attorney General of Virginia and Presidential Appointee at the U.S. Department of Commerce, Stephen Cobb. Through conversations with State Attorneys General, this series will dive into the importance and growing role of State Attorneys General while hearing firsthand on what they are working to accomplish in their communities. Welcome back to another installment of Holland and Knight's Eyes on Washington podcast. This is the State Attorneys General Edition. My name is Stephen Cobb. I'm a former Deputy Attorney General of the Commonwealth of Virginia and now a partner at Holland and Knight's Washington, D.C. office in their public policy and regulation team and co-head of our state AG's practice. Uh, with me today is the Dean of State Attorneys Generals, uh, the esteemed Attorney General of the great state of Iowa, Attorney General Tom Miller. General Miller, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. You hold a, a unique position amongst state attorneys generals in that, that you are the longest serving state attorney general in the country across party. If I'm not mistaking this, you have served in across or some part of the last five decades. Am I getting that correct? 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s, teens, and 20s. You've got that correct. Um, one of the things I found very interesting amongst state attorneys generals and the role they play now, both as regulators and as leaders on policy, um, they are really the tip of the spear in many issues. And that's the tune of tens of billions of dollars in regulatory fines and settlements. There are multi-states that are leading on policy issues across various industries. But that hasn't always been the case, and that's something that I think has really matured over the last 10 or 20 years. Can you talk a little bit maybe about kind of your history, uh, how you came into the office, and how you've seen the role of state AGs change over time? Well, um, it's a long time ago now that I came into the office. It was it was 1979, following the 1978 election, and, uh, you know, I, I was inspired for public service by three people. Um, one was one was my father. My father worked in the Dubuque County Courthouse, and I knew what he did and what he stood for, and and a lot of a lot of his colleagues, and um, was you know that that had a major impact on my life. Um, and then I was influenced by the election of President Kennedy. Like like many people in in my generation, um, the idealism of, of John F. Kennedy was you know uh, had a huge effect on our lives and and what we wanted to do with our lives. And then um, John Culver was my mentor. John was a congressman and a senator from Iowa, and I worked for him and learned things from him, and including including learning a lot about integrity and how important that was, as I did with my father. So I, you know, I wanted to be in politics, and uh, I, uh, uh, and first of all, wanted to wanted to be in Congress, like like my mentor John Culver. But um, uh, I, I went to law school, uh, thinking that law school and, uh, and a legal career and and a political career, you know, uh, meshed quite well, and and, it, and certainly has has for me. And then the office of Attorney General of Iowa came up, and uh, I uh, sort of redirected my attention towards that. Um, I had a run twice to win, 
uh, I ran in 74 and lost and then ran in seven, 78 and, and won. And uh, I'm, 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 really, I'm really thankful that, that I came in this direction, that, uh, that the, the Office of Attorney General is just an absolutely wonderful job, I think. Do you remember what the, the big issue was when you were running in 78 as to what area of legal enforcement or area of concern for the Attorney General's office that you were, that you were running on back at the time? Well, the, the the overriding issue, I think, was um, was my opponent. Uh, my opponent, in, in the sense that um, I ran on the on the premise to uh, to professionalize the office. My my opponent was um, was outspoken, uh, was um, and, and had a wonderful sense of humor, by the way, and was a, was a good guy, but had had let the office sort of get into a situation where it wasn't as, as professional as it should have been and and didn't sort of hone in on on, on the law as it as it should have um, so that was that was my major major theme you know I, I did run on consumer protection consumer protection was was a big issue for me uh, ran on, on a farm division having a farm division to do for farmers what consumer protection does for consumers those were the issues and um, my my opponent had sort of had also clashed a lot with um, Governor Ray, who is who is also a Republican and extremely extremely well regarded. That that they didn't they didn't always get along very well, and and I think that sort of accrued to my benefit. I always thought that Governor Ray secretly voted for me. I don't know whether that is, <laughs> and I never put him on the spot. Um, over time, he and I became great friends. He, he's he's an incredible guy. Has had an enormous influence on me, and 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 was a friend for a long time. Recently passed away, unfortunately. So I mean, those those were the issues then. But you know, for your purposes, what what happened pretty quickly in 1979 was the first multi-state. What what we've done in, in multi-states has, has been been very very significant, uh, I think. And it started rather innocently enough. There was a a case, a marketing case against General Motors. And they ran these commercials about this this great Oldsmobile they had, and it was great because they had this souped-up engine. Well, it turned out the engine was a you know rather common Chevy engine. There was nothing souped up about it. Uh, so the number of states sued, and uh, I think it may have been even their sort of initiatives to, as as it was being resolved as it should be, to have us you know come together and 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 do it together rather than have 25 or 15 or 30 separate settlements. So um, we did that, and, and and then that worked. And then, as we as we did other cases, for most states, uh, there was a real imbalance. If if you if if you were challenging a, a national corporation, an imbalance in the sense that that they had they had a lot lot more assets, they had a lot more resources, litigation in particular, uh, than we had. So you know we'd been together on on the on the Chevy Oldsmobile case, so we decided to to work together and, and pool our resources. And, and, and what we found was that not only was there a benefit in the resource question, it was difficult for companies to face 15 lawsuits uh, of, of, of a similar nature, that, that we created a, a sort of a new dynamic that, that gave, gave more power and authority to, to, to the attorney generals who had been alone, sort of in a, in a weakened position. And so um, consumer protection you know, developed a multi-state effort uh, for for uh, starting in '79, and you know, of course, continuing to, to today. And in the mid '80s, um, 
when uh, when President Reagan and his antitrust enforcers uh, went to a pretty uh, restrictive view of, of the antitrust law, the state stepped in and, and tried to maintain a, a, a more rigorous kind of, of activity and prosecution. And out of that grew the, the multi-state on antitrust, where we worked together on a lot of different antitrust cases, much like much like in, in consumer. So you know, leading into leading into tobacco, there was this background of very successful multi-state work uh, in antitrust and consumers, which was sort of the the forerunner, the foundation for the tobacco case. And um, also, you know, I, I'd point out that we don't sort of as a group or individuals, uh, say, okay, we're gonna we're gonna deal in policy. We're we're gonna we're gonna create these policies. The policy decisions and policy activities uh, grow out of enforcement activities, and and particularly in the large cases. And when there is a violation, there has to be a remedy. And for some of these cases, uh, the remedy has to be pretty comprehensive, which which involves policy, or it's not going to be successful. You know, I think I think you know th there is a real distinction among attorney generals in terms of you know, dealing with policy and other public officials, because there's this sort of blend of uh, enforcement and policy as, as a result, a necessary part of enforcement. And also, there, there are some policy things we do based on, on the core responsibilities we have in the criminal law area. Um, you know, we, we propose legislation based on our experience in, in the consumer area, the, the same thing. So, I mean, it's, and, and maybe it's a sort of a meaningful, meaningless distinction, but I don't think we engage in pure policy. It's uh, it's, sure. it's 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 a hybrid of, of of other activities that sort of leads to to that. There's a couple of things there that I'd like to unpack a little bit more. Um, putting on my adjunct professor hat, for the last couple of years, I've uh, taught a role on state attorneys generals at William and Mary Law School, and when we talk about multi-states and how they've changed over time, I've often asked the students to kind of rank the factors that they think have gone into the proliferation of, of multi-state actions. And for those listeners who don't know, that's when numerous state attorneys generals work together as a team, and as you alluded to, file multiple lawsuits or work together through the course of an investigation or litigation. But I see several, in my mind, I see several factors that have led to those being more and more widely used. Some things as simple as uh, the technology we have now makes it a lot easier to collaborate. and than it did in the early 80s. The ability to you know, share briefs via email and get people like, on a Zoom like we're doing now, change in economic factors where you have companies that are working in so many more different states now than, than you did where economies were more localized at the time. Um, to your earlier point, the increased professionalism um, in state AG offices and really filling a regulatory void, like you pointed out, in the in the 80s and of course success breeds success and so when you look at factors like the success that state ag's had in tobacco there, there's, there's opportunities for there how do you see kind of this confluence of factors leading to the growth of multi-states and do you attribute any one of those of having more impact than another well, i think i think you know you touched on a number of them that that, that had an impact um you know, my friend Jim Tierney, who you probably had some contact with in terms of in terms of your course. I mean, I he, largely borrowed his syllabus, so yes. Well, you you, you had good material then. <laughs> uh, he's 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 the great master on these. I mean, he he talks about the economy over time shifting from you know largely a local economy to a national economy. 
So the large corporations operating in, in, in many states increase, you know, ha- increase their, um, their market share and their activities. So I think, I think that's, that's a factor, probably one of the big, one of the big factors that, um, that led us to, to do this. Another factor was, you know, the resource question. We, you know, it's, it's a classic example of you can do some things together that you couldn't do alone. That was a big factor. The, the you know the the ability to communicate and technology certainly certainly helped it and aided it. But I think those other those two factors were were more significant. And also you know don't forget or at least you know I argue that that there was really a vibrant uh, multi-state activity in consumer and 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 antitrust in the eighties. Now, do you see uh, state AGs having a larger bully pulpit now than they did in? previous decades you know i see when we have vice president who's a former state attorney general we have two or three serving in the cabinet countless others who've served as governors and senators it seems perhaps there's been no greater time for state ags to be in the limelight where if a state attorney general calls a press conference to say that they have an issue with something more and more people are listening have you found that to be true? I think that's true, and a rich variety of, of, of factors uh, that, that have, have evolved there. Um, you know, including our, the, you alluded to, I think success in in in, in some litigation and, and the tobacco case, um, in in particular, um, in other on, on other multi states. And you know, I think I think the the emergence of of the rule of law as 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 a more and more, more and more important you know foundation of, of our country added added to that. Um, I think I think you know obviously I'm terribly biased on this, but I think the quality of the attorney generals over the last few decades added to that. I've I've had just in wonderful colleagues over over that time that that have been extremely talented, and and I think that's um, that's added to it. I think another factor that works in our favor is that, um, well, certainly there's there's partisan activity uh, that AGs engage in, particularly vis-a-vis the national administration. State attorney generals are more bipartisan than than any other elected officials in the country. We we work together uh, on on so many different things, particularly multi-states and across and across party lines. That I, th- I think that that is aided in in our in our credibility. And also another factor that that I think about is that that AGs are furthest away of what I'd call raw politics than other elected officials, that um, legislators, governors, the, the sort of the, the political strength and the political dynamics are, 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 are really strong, that, that we're obviously not totally protected, but, but a little bit protected uh, because um, as we're law enforcement people, because we're um, rule of law people. So um, I think all those factors have given us, you know, some more credibility and in, in, in some more stage. But you still have the situation where um, statewide elected officials, you know, don't immediately attain a lot of status, uh, not like uh, governors and senators and, and members of Congress. Uh, but that, that's changed in, in a positive way, I think, over time. You know, taking this opportunity, so to look back in the last year, what were some of the uh, issues, you know, that you faced both in Iowa and kind of on a national scale that was of particular importance to your office? Yeah. I mean, all of us went through just a, a terrible COVID season. Um, you know, no, nobody nobody could see this coming or anticipating anticipate 
um, either how bad it would be or how long it would be. So I think that's 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 affected a lot of things. And for us, um, at least initially, price gouging, uh, some scams concerning the the various um, remedies and and, and treatments uh, was was a big issue, and and continues to be somewhat of an issue that our consumer people have worked really hard on uh, on on those issues uh, with some success. And then you know we we've seen the. Uh, the emergence of the the technology cases, the antitrust cases against Google and, and Facebook, um, that are that are in, incredibly important cases, difficult, time consuming, uh, challenging, uh, but very important cases. And you know, again, and I'd underline the bipartisanship. I think in in one case, Facebook. I think we have ninety uh, forty nine states, uh, and in Google, it's it's also I think forty nine or something like that. Uh, vast majority Democrats, vast majority Republicans, and on both cases, we worked very well with the federal government, with um, uh, with the Trump administration and, and Attorney General Bill Barr in, in in Google. That was a good relationship, one where we we supported each other, worked together, shared resources, uh, and also on on Facebook, we worked we worked and continue to work very closely with the with the FTC. So I think I think those are those are two of the big big issues. When you're partnering up with the federal government on those things. How do you decide to the extent that you can comment on who's taking the lead on what issues and what part in within that litigation, whether it be state AGs or whether it be your federal counterparts? Yeah, I mean that's that's a that's an interesting dynamic and uh, and sometimes a challenging one. Sometimes sometimes it it flows very well and it does depend somewhat on 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 the individuals involved. You know, we had a massive case concerning concerning mortgage fraud and and the ability of people to stay in their homes during the, melt, the financial meltdown in 2007, eight, and nine, and to some extent following. And Tom Pirelli, the associate attorney general and uh, classmate and fellow editor of the uh, Harvard Law Review of President Obama, was the, the lead federal person, and he was terrific to work with. He he's reached out to the states. We worked as, as well as we could with him. And you know, it's 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 a little bit of a case where one person can make a huge difference. Tom's work. Uh, was facilitated what we did in 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 so many ways, and and I as as leader of the state group tried to respond uh, in in the same way, but um, you know I think I think the whole idea is for both sides to understand you know what's at stake and that that we can do something that that would be very significant if if we work together and 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 make it work, and um, you know I'll, I'll mention Attorney General Bill Barr on on Google. I mentioned him before. Um, you know, he, he, he was very good to work with on, on the Google case. We met with him at least twice uh, in, in person, had very good good discussions, helpful discussions. You know, I, 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 I think the good relationship should be the, the rule and the, the difficult one, uh, the, the exception. And the things that lead towards a more difficult relationship, I think, are further in, in the past. The sort of the, the competition, the, the suspicion, I think those have all been reduced. And of course, you know, there, there used to be a th- thinking that you probably never ran into this, but thinking that uh, federal government was, was bigger and more important and smarter than, than these little old states, that the feds were better. Uh, you know, in, in the cases I've been involved in, that, that, that really hasn't been a factor, particularly, particularly with Tom Pirelli. Well, with a new administration comes new priorities, and you've already mentioned the continuing antitrust cases. Are there other areas that you look to a Biden administration and say that these are likely going to be areas or priorities where state AGs are going to really be uh, have the opportunities to, to share priorities and work shoulder to shoulder with a new administration? 
Oh, there's a long list. There's a great list. Uh, let, let me mention let me mention a few th a few departments and, and people on the list. To start with, two former attorney, attorney generals, uh, uh, Rich Cordray, the former attorney general of Ohio, is uh, at the point of student loans, uh, and uh, which is a very challenging issue, and, and the states have been involved in that in a big way for for a long time, and that's so important for for the students and for the economy in a lot of ways. That's uh, that's something that. If we if we could could deal with successfully uh, would be uh, uh, an enormous uh, real reform as I call it and, and real help to to Americans and you know I I I believe that maybe the way to do it is uh, through um, income uh, redu reduction of principal based on on income on people on, on people's income that uh, would be very difficult to implement it's sort of it's a law now but it's just it just it just doesn't happen it just isn't implemented it's one-on-one -on -one transactions like that are very difficult to do but if if we could figure out a way to do it and uh, you know we've started to talk to rich about it then that some some great things can be done and and Milgram the former Attorney General of, of New Jersey uh, is the nominee to be head of the Drug Enforcement Administration, the DEA. And there's a lot of, and we've talked a little bit already, and there's a lot of things we we can we we can do together. Uh, but you know, there's 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 climate change. Um, I think that we can do a lot with the administration on that in Iowa. <clears throat> of course, we we take great pride in the enormous amount of wind energy that we, that we have in, in Iowa. More than more than forty percent in, in recent years have been of of electricity has been generated through wind energy. And Mid American, our, our largest of, of the, you know, we have two major public utilities. Mid American is the larger. And they not, when when they get finished with their current round of, of wind implementation, they'll have the capacity anyway to do 100% generation by by wind. So I think think there's a lot we can do in climate change and other areas in in the environment, and um, and consumer protection. I you know I'm uh, I'm a consumer protection guy and think that that we really can do things. Uh, sort of what I what I'm thinking about is is a consumer protection SWAT team where we and the feds and and, and everybody else that's that's a player here work together to to deal with the the really bad problems as quickly as we can uh, and also deal with the intractable problems as as best we can. So I think think there's there's a lot to do there. Civil rights is is an area as well. So there, there there's just a, a big big list of of areas where we can work with the Biden administration. Um, they they they. Send and this, the signals, uh, including the president himself, of course, that they, they really want to do that. And, and, and they're sincere about saying that, especially the president. Well, that leads perfectly into my kind of next area of inquiry. When you talk about yourself being a consumer protection guy, um, there's been some pretty high profile consumer protection pieces with state AGs recently that has moved beyond just the alleged bad actor, but to those that, have, that allegedly supported um, consultants. PR firms, and I'm, I'm curious to see, it is an area of focus that I, I have not seen before in the consumer protection space. Um, and I'm wondering if you can kind of comment as this is a new area with the breadth of consumer protection law and kind of really where that line is between alleged bad actor and th those who have alleged to so support them, even though they might not know A from B, so to speak. That's a good question. and. Um, you know, first of all, I'd say I think I think those kinds of cases are going to be pretty limited uh, and should be pretty limited. And to some extent, there's sort of a natural outgrowth of, of what what we've already been doing in the sense that uh, if there's, you know, very serious harm being done, that's 
at least you know fairly apparent in the country and opioids of course is 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 the great example um that um that purdue pharma uh pled guilty in 2007 in federal court in virginia and um you know paid a fine of five six six or seven hundred thousand people pled guilty the allegations were clear that the public including the consultants you know knew that that some some bad things were happening here and combine that with you know involvement in 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 deception that um that you know that they, they can they can know about so i think if if a company is a consultant or, or any any public relations firm whatever you know they, they don't they don't have to check the safety of of all the products they add they do ads about but you know if there's a public awareness of of some pretty severe consequences and some pretty questionable activities going on you know they they, sh they should ask themselves whether they should be doing this uh and certainly in in the case of opioids the answer was no that they, they shouldn't be so you know i think i think this is something something limited but also something that that professionals in america uh, should stop and think about in in those cases in those situations that that I describe. It, it's a very interesting area, and I'm, I, as I mentioned, I couldn't think of a situation where that's happened before. You know, I was trying to create a hypothetical, and it was you know if company A creates and sells a widget but hires company B to promote it and company C to consult on it. What duty do they have to look at the safety or efficacy of of the widget? And it, it's it is a, a question and focus that I think is going to be uh, an interesting one for AGs and and the private sector to evaluate in the years ahead. I think I think generally they don't, but if there's some danger signals, a particularly severe harm, um, and you know as as they go through with their client, there's questionable activities in in those kinds of situations. They 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 ought to be they they should have to ask themselves about their involvement and in, and in, in what's happening. But generally, you know, that's not the case. Switching gears, kind of completely to a more functional question, which is that for many companies, both large and small, dealing with a state AG office is a largely new experience. It's not, it's not often something that doesn't happen day to day. There's unlike litigation, there's not a you know procedure manual for it. What are some of the things that you think good rules of thumb, so to speak, in dealing with a state AG office that private industry should should consider? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, you know, I think the the most important thing they can do in their interest, and it's enlightened self-interest, uh, obviously, is shoot straight with with the AG's office. You know, to to think that that you know they they can hire um, counsel to prolong the litigation and and counsel that that's that's the great lawyers and they can escape their responsibility that way. That doesn't work. To sort of you know to to attack the AG the office or to uh, to you know, get in in litigation where you, you know, you, you you try everything, you attack everything. That doesn't work. I think that, you know, assess you know what 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 the problems are and what what your responsibility is. If there's um you know if if there's a a, a solution and and almost and almost always there is, uh, that that makes sense should should work towards that. Um, should hire counsel that generally would would work towards solution rather than um, sort of litigation warfare. I've seen that that work uh, much better than 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 the high powered litigation that for a while was was the natural response of of corporate America. But I don't think it is anymore. But but occasionally it is. 
you know, there, there's there's a remarkable lawyer by the name of Meyer Coplo. Meyer is um, was, was the managing partner for a period of time at Wachtell Lipton, and uh, he tried to retire. I don't know if he's fully retired from them or, or not, but he he represented the, the tobacco one of the tobacco companies, Philip Morris. Um, he represented one of the banks, um, Bank of America, in the mortgage case. And and he had this concept of uh, what I call enlightened self-interest for for the for his clients, and that is that there's a lot to be gained by solving the problem at hand, and if possible, repairing the relationship uh, that that preceded it. And to do that, the company needs to be willing to go a little further than they really have to, but not not dramatically. And I think that approach is, is the best approach that, that I've seen of, of lawyers that have come into to our offices and into our multi-states. One of the things that I've often preached, and feel free to tell me that I'm wrong, uh, is that oftentimes if you're working in a highly regulated industry or you have a disruptive business model or you've noticed a trend of state AGs working in your industry or in your field. Um, sometimes it is helpful not to wait for an inquiry, but instead to try and work collaboratively to say, you know, this is what we're doing. This is why we believe it's in bounds uh, and why we think we're good corporate citizens. Do you find that kind of collaboration helpful? Yeah, it is. It really is uh, helpful. Um, the The whole idea of of knowing knowing each other to some extent, knowing what what they're doing, and and particularly if if sometimes they're they're doing some things that are innovative, some things that might look controversial but really aren't, to be able to you know talk through those and 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 let us know is very helpful. But again, it you know it's 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 quality conversation. It's straight shooting. It's not you know some come in and and make these arguments that. Uh, on their on their surface, um, you know, sort of sound good, and then then you really dig into it a little bit, and it, it it really was was pretty deceptive. Had major corporations do that, and and when they when I figure out what they were doing, um, it doesn't advance their cause. I would I would think not, and I would think it's probably more challenging to get another meeting after they've done that the first time. That, that's right. That's fantastic. General, I want to thank you so much. You've been very generous with your time. But before we, we close out, I want to give the opportunity for you to you know, highlight or anything that your office is working on, uh, initiatives or, or policy that you'd like to highlight to our listeners. I want to give you the opportunity to sing the praises of your team. Yeah, well, I, you know, I, th- I, th- I think we have a great team in, in Iowa and uh, some some very talented people um, that have integrity that that work in 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 public interest. The public service is something that that's that's really important to them. Uh, so I, you know, I feel like incredibly blessed to to have this this group of of people in in our office. A number of them are are leaders among the the multi states and, and other activities in the NAG world, and and I'm proud of that. And also, what what I unless I like to close on is what I, I mentioned before is, is my colleague. You know, I, I, th- I think we have just an incredible group of, of attorney generals. As, as I get to know the, the relatively new ones that came in three years ago, what an impressive group. Uh, but, but the people that have been here have been also, also been very impressive. And, you know, the, the great relationships that I've had across party lines uh, has, has, has been, you know, incredible. My, my best friend, personal friend, I, I think among AGs is, is Lawrence Wasden, who happens to Idaho AG, who happens to be a, a Republican, and we've we've had those those kinds of kinds of relationships. So um, you know, I'm 
I'm a I'm a big fan of the of the uh, of the state attorney generals. Uh, uh, you know, Javier Becerra just left to, uh, to be the Secretary of Health and Human Services. An amazing, amazingly big and complex and challenging job. He was a wonderful AG and a wonder, wonderful colleague. Uh, Tish James has been a great colleague and has contributed enormously to multi-states and, and other activities. Uh, so it's it's a great group, in, in my opinion, anyway. General, thank you so much for your time and sharing your thoughts with us. Uh, my name is Stephen Cobb. This has been the Holland Knight's Eyes on Washington podcast series in the State Attorney's General Edition. Thanks so much, and we'll welcome you to our next broadcast. Thank you for listening to an Eyes on Washington podcast brought to you by Holland and Knight's Public Policy and Regulation Group. For more information on our Public Policy and Regulation Group, please visit hklaw.com slash PPR.